0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the Brews and Belters podcast, season 2, episode 20. Uh, Tonight we're going to talk a little USMNT, CONCACAF qualifiers, AFCON, and then get into the transfer window. So um, I'm Keegan Gowitz Tonight I am sipping on the old, reliable, new Glarus Spotted Cow. I don't know how I haven't featured this yet, but... um, I guess it's pretty normal for anyone in the Midwest. You come up to Wisconsin and you get a spotty cow or really any of New Glarus's beers. Um, But if anyone's tuning in from outside the Midwest, this is a hidden gem. Uh, It's only sold in Wisconsin, so you got to come across the border here to get it. For us Illinoisans growing up, um, this is a delicacy. Uh, And I guess I've just been taking it for granted since I moved up here. Joining me as always is Toby Hinefeld. Um, Tobes, how you doing? What you sipping on?
1: Big's doing great. Uh, I got a Cezanne de Lewis Farmhouse Ale. Um, it is a beer with honey, ginger, and lemon zest, uh, made by Blind Pig Brewery out of Champaign, Illinois. Uh, are more of a springtime, like, enter summer beer, but, uh, after shoveling 10 to 12 inches of snow today... Uh, it took me like three and a half, four hours to do all of it. Uh, I wanted a summertime beer, you know, something to kind of warm me up and get things going.
0: Do you just have like a tropical backdrop on your computer screen right now?
1: <laughs> no, I have uh, my normal paneling uh, and Timu Puki uh, poster behind me. So beautiful, kind of tropical, I guess. Yeah,
0: Timu's pretty, pretty tropical guy. So, let's yes. get into USMNT lost 2-0 to Canada 2 nights ago. Um, and won 3-0 to Honduras about 5 minutes ago. Um, what what you think? I'm I'm curious. Let's get into it. Just overall or do we want to dive into Canada match first, then Honduras? So, here,
1: I I, th- I think we just glaze over Canada to be honest. And to be why I think that is because USA played decent. They weren't great. Um but they kind of went into the, like, WTF mode. Uh, like I said last week, if they could have won that game, and they had already won the game previously against uh, El Salvador, and then Honduras is honestly kind of the, uh, the like, welcome mat of CONCACAF. Like, Everyone's uh, been taking them. Uh, so they could have qualified, you know, for the World Cup, honestly, if they would have picked up all nine points. So it's a huge game in Canada. Few things that kind of stuck out to me, uh, mainly Christian Pulisic was really bad in that game. Yeah. Uh, I I, tw- I tweeted it on our page. Someone needs to start taking corner kicks and free kicks instead of him, and uh, you can see what happened in tonight's game. Yep. Um, that was that was the main thing with me. And then the other thing, I don't know what is Greg Berhalter's infinity with Josie Zardes. Yep. And he like he's been playing like poop recently. Uh, I've only had like, like a half a year, so my cuss words are not like coming out right now. I'm like still pretty still pretty good. You'll still maybe 20 minutes from now, we'll see what's happening. Pretty tame, um, tame my... Toby. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so last two starts. Here's a few stats about Josie Zardes over his last two stars for United States Men's National Team. Uh, zero goals, zero assi- assists, zero shots on target, zero chances created for his Teammates and one completed dribble.
0: Why not start him against the best team in CONCUCAF?
1: <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, that is pretty much playing with 10 men, uh, <laughs> is how I look at it. And that has been the two things that I have been most critical about the United States is that they do not have any creativity or finishing in the mm-hmm. final third. And then also they get off to slow starts and they have to readjust at halftime. Yeah. Um, So, easiest way to do that, four of the last five wins, you know, you just look at the stats. uh, When Pepe starts, four of the last five, they have won those. So, it's like, you know, why wouldn't you just start him to begin with? I don't know. And then with Zardes, both of his were losses that he started. So, you know, the track record is there.
0: You do Um, the math.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm like I'm throwing out stats that I don't even know are true. Nah, I don't know. I'm just just whipping them out. But uh, I mean, that's all I can really take away from Canada. Other than that, Canada like pretty much just hit them on. They didn't even have uh, Alfonso Davies, but they just hit them on the counter. And they, you know, USA had two screw ups, and Canada capitalized on both of them. That's that's that match in a whole.
0: Yeah, I I thought that um, through the middle, I just they seemed so rushed they don't have much spacing in the middle they don't have much time to pick out a pass and they they don't pick out a pass every attack is through the flank everything's done through the outside and with that too i noticed the opposite side of the pitch was wide open a few times and they just refuse a big switch and maybe i'm spoiled watching some of these premier league clubs and you know especially being a liverpool fan i mean their full backs do it as well as anybody like that big switch from midfield when they're attacking to the opposite fullback. Um, you see Trent and, and Robbo do that all the time. And it's like that pass is there. And I don't know if they just like the quality to make that pass or if they just don't see it, or if they're just stuck in their ways of playing down the sidelines every time. But it gets really old just seeing Serginho Des go to the attacking corner in the final third, and then, like, he might have an opportunity to play in a cross, but he tries to, like, dribble through everyone and, and do some, like, skill moves, and then next thing you know, there's two defenders on him, and he can't get a cross in. It's like, you got to switch it up, and like you mentioned, there just doesn't feel like there's any creativity there. Um, so, I, I tweeted out, actually, I can't remember who it was, but there was, like, a USMNT account um, just talking about the match, and and they were like, we're we can't compete with Canada right now. That's sad to say. And I was like, first of all, Canada looks really good. I thought they looked really really good.
1: I forget his name, uh, Buchanan. I can't yeah, remember his Buchanan's name. They, they nice. Have the, they have the best striker in Concacaf right now. And then the Over.
0: kid from, um, I think he plays for Lille. God, I can't even remember his name. But he's he's might be their best player outside of Davies. But yeah, Buchanan's nice. I mean, they've got players, man. And they just look so much calmer on the ball. They knew what they were going to do when the ball came to their feet. And that was the thing. Outside of McKinney and Adams, it didn't feel like any U.S. players knew what they were going to do with the ball when they received it. And that was my biggest beef. And and that's what I responded to with uh, um, that tweet, is I would really like to see a 4-2-3-1. Or something just – and I mentioned this, I think, on the last pod, but I would like to see a player like Aronson in the middle in a number 10 role in that attacking mid role because there were a couple times that he drifted towards the middle. I think he was playing on the right wing. Um, And he drifted into the middle and he received the ball. And he's a player who has his head up. He's looking behind him before he receives the ball. And he can pick out a pass just one touch and then second touch he's playing a pass. And he opens up so much when he does that. And they didn't convert on the chances, but it opened a lot up. And, you know, I think if you do that four-two-three-one, then you've got, you know, Aronson in the middle, Pulisic on the outside, and then whoever the, the other, you know, outside player would be in that row of three. And then you got a guy like Pepe up top playing a target man. He can hold play. Him and Aronson can play off one another. And then you've got two outside wingers or outside mids streaking through and I think it would just open up a lot for him but tonight I thought the the middle was a lot more open I thought they had a lot more time again that's a much weaker opponent in Honduras versus Canada but I mean they at least did have time and and they can pick out some passes and run things through the middle rather than just all right let's play it to our right back and go for it Serginio create something you know it it just didn't seem like there was any plan moving forward.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of questions that had to be answered that I, honestly, after Sunday, I didn't think I had the confidence in Greg Berhalter to answer those questions. I still don't, Um, I don't
0: think. I mean, it was Honduras, you
1: know. I mean, He has probably the best squad USA have had in, I don't know, 20 years. You know, and like, even then, like, I don't think he really knows what he's doing. And he's trying to force players to play positions that they are not comfortable playing because he wants to play his style. Um, and on top of I mean, that,
0: he's he's playing a different lineup every fucking night, and I can get it tonight with Honduras, give Tyler Adams a rest, bring Pulisic off the bench, that's fine, but against Canada, against a team that's just been rolling through these qualifiers, like, go out and get a win, go out and attack them and get a win, and it just, again, J- Jesse Zardes, like, I-, I just don't understand shit like that, and... It's frustrating to see. Uh, yeah, and
1: I so, I mean, so they left Canada pretty much with a "we must win this next game against Honduras," which sounds easy, but they left Canada. Tyler Adams is injured, hamstring. Chris Richards, I don't know the exact extent his foot injury, but it looked like a break, is what I'm what I was reading from some of the USMNT like I don't know, like beat reporters and whatnot. Um, so they go in to Minnesota, Minneapolis-St. Paul, chill at kickoff is negative eight. Like, dude, should, should the guys who are the U.S. scheduling group, should they be
0: forced to sit outside and watch this game with the fans? <laughs> yeah, and they should be given, like, a, a thin sweatshirt, and that's it. Uh,
1: exactly. <laughs> and Honduras... Their players looked so sad during their national anthem. Like, they looked like a bunch of crying Jordans up there. Like, a, they were just a <laughs> bunch of memes of crying Jordans. And Polistic was benched by Greg Burhalter. Uh, they had a kind of a random lineup. I'm going to pull it up real quick. I got to
0: You know who I liked while you're looking that up? Um, Luca De La Torre and the midfield I thought played well. I thought he looked lively. And then the right back. Um, uh,
1: Reggie Cannon?
0: Reggie Cannon, I thought looked pretty good as well. And I mean, again, the quality of opponent compared to Sunday night, obviously not as high, but I did think that they looked good. Um, and again, McKenney was super lively. He was the best player in, in the Canada match for me by far. Phenomenal header. And you mentioned, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier with uh, Pool of Six free kicks being terrible um Kellen Acosta delivered two phenomenal balls for the goals. Uh he put that one right on McKenney's head and McKenney had to go up for it but he and it, I mean he finished it beautifully put it in the top right corner. But uh I mean those balls from Acosta were were coming from distance too and he put them right on right on
1: teammate's yeah. heads. Yeah, Kellen Acosta tonight playing in front of Tyler, in, instead of Tyler Adams. He looked like like he belongs in Europe. Like That's how good he looked tonight. Um, I think he actually just got traded to L.A. from, uh, I forget where he was at before, Colorado, I want to say, um, in the MLS. Uh, but to go with it, uh, so Zach Steffen is still injured. He's not, he didn't play in any of this window of games. Uh, we had Matt Turner. Matt Turner looked like a popsicle this entire game, and it wouldn't have shocked me if they would have sent him to the locker room during the game for thirty minutes, and I don't think it would have made a difference. Yeah, like I really don't. I think the defense and everything was that solid. Uh, and then also from right to left, we have Reggie Cannon. He talked about Walker Zimmerman had a goal. Yep. Uh, I mean it was a it was a really good goal, and I think he actually had the assist, which was the layoff pass to Christian Pulisic. Um, and then we had Miles Robinson and Anthony Robinson, who started all three games, and I think he had a great performance, uh, a great performance for the United States coming from Fulham. And then we had Kellen Acosta, like you were talking about, Weson McKinney on the left side of him, and then on the right side of Kellen Acosta was uh, uh, De La Torre, and I thought he was far and away. The best midfielder besides Wesson McKinnon. I mean, I I liked DeCosta as well, but I was really surprised with how it
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it just blows my mind that he couldn't have played sooner. And I think it was because Greg Berhalter liked Loggette and a couple of those other guys, Rodon more than he did De La Torre. And like looking back at this, you're know, like, why? Like the guy picks up the ball and he instantly attacks space. Like he was pushing the uh, the ball forward. And I don't... Reggie Cannon was playing very high up, uh, playing at that wing-back position. Um, but I think De La Torre like, looked amazing. And then in front of him was Timothy Weah. Also who,
0: with, with De La Torre, sorry to cut you off, but in, in the match against Canada, again, way more space against Honduras, but in the match against Canada, everything through the middle was they took one touch too many. And De La Torre attacks when he gets the ball and he moves forward, but he gets the ball off of his foot when he needs to. And that was the biggest thing for me, was like, against Canada, it was just like guys going forward hoping something would happen instead of making something happen and being smart and being patient when they needed to. And that was where he kind of stood out to me. He got the ball off his foot when he needed to. Um, Yeah, no,
1: definitely. And playing in front of him was Timothy Weah, who I thought had some of the best runs that I saw over the last three games. Um, he was just cutting behind the defense nonstop, looked really good. Uh, and then on the opposite flank of him was, uh, Jordan Morris. And I thought Jordan Morris played decent. Um, but what was more impressive is that his second ACL tear that he's coming back from, uh, after being on loan with, uh, I think Swansea is where he was at in the championship. Uh, so he played pretty good. And then in the middle was Ricardo Pepe and Pepe played well, um, I just feel bad for him because he looked hungry. He was barking at some of the wingbacks because some of those guys, like Reggie Cannon, Anthony Robinson was decent, but Reggie Cannon, like their passing just isn't good enough on those, like what you alluded to earlier. Um, So that was frustrating for me. Uh, Pulisic came off off the bench and gave him a spark. And uh, I think USA, I mean, they had possession the entire game, and they had a very high press for this game. I mean, they, they just look better. Like, it, it is what it is. Uh, is there anything else that stood out to you during this game?
0: Uh, no, that was that was most of it, again. I mean, they looked good, but, you know, they're playing probably the easiest target in CONCACAF, yeah. or one of them. So, you know, take it for what it is. It's three points, a 3-0 win. That's better than them coming out and shitting the bed. So, um, so good I, performance. I guess
1: I guess that... The, the goalie of the other team, Honduras, was subbed off at halftime. They put on their second-string goalie, and I guess the reason being is that he was being treated for hypothermia. Oh my god! With how cold it fucking was, uh, I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, so that—that's—I don't know if that's completely true, but that's what I've read from two or three different people that are like legit, credible, check-mark Twitter people. They were saying that. Um, and then the only thing I have from this game before we switch forward is during the game, I, it was a dead play. But is it disrespectful that Greg Berhalter was taking pictures with the yes,
0: fans during the yes? Game? I almost brought this up multiple times already. It's like this man's being criticized to the max, and in like the seventy fifth minute. Don't get me wrong; the game's they've they've got it well in hand. But can you imagine any? Can you imagine fucking Pep going over in the seventy fifth when? city's up even if they're up five nil over norwich can you fucking imagine him going over and taking a picture with fans hell no absolutely not it would have to be like a fucking make-a-wish kid for that to happen
1: yeah that's what so my wife was like did he what is he doing and i said what's he doing in the crowd i'm like i think he's taking a picture and like for someone who watches soccer but isn't like totally engrossed in it like we are uh, and thinking that's disrespectful, like, clearly it is. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you don't do that to some, to a, an opponent till after the game, you know? Like, why couldn't you have waited till, you know, they're, they're, it's not like they were playing stoppage time. It was, at that point in time, it was like the windshield was negative 14. You know, they are going to just blow the whistle right at 90, 91. So. Yeah,
0: and they basically yeah. did. They gave them, like, 15 seconds and then blew it. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, ch- Moving on from Greg Berhalter. Um, quick update on AFCON. So, Senegal and Burkino Faso played today. Senegal won 3-1. Abdou Diallo, uh, PSG center back, started off with a goal in the 70th. Took a while for them to get going. A little bit of pinball in the box. He ended up putting it away. Um, and then PSG teammate Idrissa Ganagay also uh, uh, scored one six minutes later. Off an assist from Sadio Mane making a run on the touchline, played it in, to Gay, who put it away. And then six minutes after that, Rikino Faso got one back um, in the 82nd off a blatti Toure goal. And then Mane capped it off with the third goal on the break uh, to put him away late. So they are through to the final. They will play either Cameroon, the hosts of the tournament, or Egypt, who play tomorrow at 1 p.m. Central. Um, maybe a hot take here, Toby, but I look for Cameroon to do it. Um, I look for them to defend home field, and I think they'll win 2-1.
1: Cameroon is, on paper, doesn't look as good player-to-player, but they have two of their players are playing probably the best in the tournament with Vincent Applebaker and then Carl Toko Akambe, so I expect them to be... Really good. I don't really know who's gonna win it. Uh, but I th- I think that either of them would be a really good uh, really good opponent for Senegal. So
0: Yeah, honestly I think I think Senegal are far and away, um, better than the rest of the teams here and I might have disrespected them a little bit with, with Nigeria and Algeria and Ivory Coast were were kind of my top three. Um but Senegal are stacked, man. I mean, they've got a ton of attacking potential going forward. They've got Kalidou Koulibaly running things in the back. In my opinion, one of the best center backs in the world. Um, and one of the best in Serie A, if not the best. Him and Kostas Manolas. And you could throw... Um, uh, um, oh my God, what's his name? Tamori, uh, who came from Chelsea to AC Milan. I, I like him a lot as well. Uh, but in my opinion, one of the best center backs in the world. So you've got that rock back there, and then just a really solid lineup all the way through. So um, I look for them to win it all, really. But I think Cameroon versus Egypt will be an interesting matchup. I said two one, but they've both got a lot of attacking power, and it could end up being a shootout. So we'll see what happens tomorrow.
1: How how big is Liverpool Twitter going to be tomorrow if Mosala goes off after Mane had a pretty damn good game as well? So.
0: Yeah, goal and assist for Sadio. She's the best player in the world. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. A little bit of tension, maybe. Also, um, you know, diving into our next topic of discussion. Liverpool picked up Luis Diaz in the transfer window, so another winger. You wonder. Obviously, Salah. You can't give him up right now. Through the first half of the season, he's he's been probably the best. You know attacking player in the world um so that that begs the question will Mane potentially make a move and obviously over the past few years past two or three years he's been linked with Real Madrid on occasion um as well as some other big clubs so you you kind of wonder if this is a move for the future maybe summertime Sadio makes a move I, I don't know maybe maybe looking too far into it but um it is interesting to see them pick up a talented winger from Porto, here in the in in the winter deadline or winter winter window, um. But yeah, yeah, getting getting way ahead of myself here, um, and looking too far into things. But uh, you,
1: I say Liverpool, and you just drool. You start yeah. getting that excited.
0: Uh, yeah, I start getting a little nervous. Is what I start getting because I'd hate <laughs> to see I'd hate to see Mane leave. But again, you know, at some point there has to be that changing of the guard. Where they're starting to bring it. I mean, you're seeing it with Bobby right now, and Jota kind of starting to take his spot. So, um, I don't know. Curious to see what happens, but I would love an an Egypt versus Senegal final. See those two go at it uh, would be really fun. So,
1: yeah. So moving onward, we have the Premier League January transfer window for 2022. Uh, a lot. I mean, there's a there was quite a bit. Honestly, I wasn't expecting as much. And I feel like there's there was a lot more this time. I don't know if that has something to do with the amount of games played, COVID. You know, there's a lot going on. Um, but, I mean, you want to get right into it? You want to go through all the teams? What do you want to yeah, do Yeah,
0: I, I think in addition to that, too, just teams with with some pressure. Um, actually, double-edged sword. Teams facing pressure to, to make some signings. And then teams who have some momentum where they are a hot target for signings. So, you know... Mm-hmm. On one end of that, you've got Everton, who needed to make moves, and they did. They picked up Dele Alli, they picked up Tony Vandebake, they picked up Anwar El Ghazi, um, who I think was a really good signing. I could see him and Richarlison being demons up front together. Um, so I think they had a really strong window, and they needed a strong window. Whereas you look at Aston Villa and Newcastle, who are kind of, you know, Newcastle's got all that money. Obviously, they're in the relegation zone right now. But they've got all that money to spend. Um, Players have to know, okay, obviously this is a a club that's going to build and there's going to be players coming here. This is, you know, a good time to hop on. Um, And then Villa, you know, Stevie G managing them. They look really good. They've picked up some players early in the window. Coutinho, uh, Lucas Dine. They picked up Robin Olsen on loan from Roma, who's, you know, I don't think they really need a goalkeeper with Martinez, but obviously good to have a second option with all the matches being played. Um, and then Callum Chambers from Arsenal to, to provide a little bit of depth in the back there. So, uh, I think you've got kind of a, a mixed bag as far as teams like Everton who who are being pressured. You've got an owner with some money. Why aren't moves being made? Um, and finally, they make some moves. I love the Dele Alli and, and Donny Van de Beek signings. Um, and then you've got the other teams that are just kind of hot right now. So... It, do we want to go through each club and and their signings?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we could do it pretty quickly. Um, I mean, let's start off. Let's just do alphabetize. We have Arsenal. Uh, the only real cool thing about that is that they they in essence it looks like they signed two MLS players uh, with Matt Turner uh, with an agreement for a summer transfer um, for USMNT, you know, goalkeeper. Uh, that would be one, and then uh, Austin Trustee from Colorado Rapids. Um, he's signed, but then he's being loaned back uh, till the end of the year. I guess is what it looks like. But other than that, Arsenal did not do anything, so they lost a lot more than they gained. Um, with they, there was a ton of guys who uh, left that program, uh, but the biggest one probably is a Beaumier. You know, and that's that. I mean, that instantly red flagged me for like. What the hell is Barcelona, is Barcelona doing? Right, you know, and we'll, let's we'll get into that later. But yeah, so anyway, so Pogbiang's gone. I mean, he was already uh, stripped of his captaincy, so it's like it is what it is. Um, then we have Aston Villa. You already talked about them, so we don't need to really bring up too much with them. Uh, I I love what they did, though. I'll I'll go ahead and say it right now. Uh, what about you? Do you like everything that Aston oh, Villa yeah. did with Coutinho and Binier?
0: Yeah, I love bringing Coutinho back. Couldn't be a better manager for him to play under, in my opinion. Um, I mean, him and Stevie had a great link at Liverpool. And, again, they're just that club right now that even before they picked him and Dine up, they were rolling and they were moving, and there's a ton of momentum and a ton of hope, it feels like, for that club. And, uh, yeah, I just love it, man. Splashing that Jack Grealish money and uh, picking up a phenomenal – Two phenomenal players, in my opinion, one of the best left backs in the league, and yeah, I I, I love the Anwar El Ghazi signing too. I really do. I think he's he's been great. And uh, I'm sorry, that's for Everton. Uh, they got rid of they got rid of El Ghazi. Um, I'm, I'm skipping love ahead. It. I'm skipping ahead. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, I I do love Coutinho and Dieng, and honestly. El Ghazi is, is fine for them to unload. I love Everton picking him up, but I think they have attacking options where they don't need him. And that's the thing. Yeah. It's one thing to bring players in, but you got to unload some players too and think about the future. Obviously, you have that grayish money, but I just think that's good business to to realize you might not need El Ghazi right now. So send him off and, and get some money in the meantime.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Brentford, biggest signing. Yeah. One of the biggest signings by far, and not just in the Premier League, but in just all of life. Uh, Christian Eriksen is back. Uh, I love it. What are your thoughts? Are you, are you worried at all for his heart? Like anything? I don't know. I am. It's nerve wracking. I mean, Syria made a rule that he cannot play for the, in in Italy.
0: Yeah, it's like, um, nuts. And us Italians have a history of heart problems, you know. So it's understandable in Italy that they're a little more cautious about these things, but. Uh, no, I love it. That's actually my cheers just to see him, and and he seems. I mean, no one knows obviously other than him and and his physicians, I guess. But uh, he seems really confident and eager to get back out there, and I love the signing for Brentford. Brentford's a fun team to watch, um, you know, and just adding to that midfield, they've got Ivontoni up up top uh onyeka or i'm I'm probably butchering his his last name um but the nigerian defensive mid that they've got i think erickson signing just adds a lot there um and most importantly it's just exciting to see him back on the pitch again that mm-hmm. is that is uh one of my cheers for the week
1: good so moving forward brighton uh had quite a bit of uh, guys come in, like a bunch of no name people, though. I'm not anyone that I'm familiar with. Uh, but they did have one guy go out. Dan Burns went to Newcastle. Um, and that money that they got from Newcastle pretty much allowed them to sign everyone that they uh, brought in on loan or through a, a, a trade force uh, signing. So Brighton did quite a bit of stuff. Uh, I'm sure one or two of those guys that they brought in, of the five or six that they brought in, are going to probably sell for twenty to thirty thousand to a big name club in two or three years. Um, twenty to
0: thirty thousand, huh?
1: Yeah, you never know. Or millions. Millies, my bad. <laughs> Millies, uh, Burnley. Uh, they got rid of Chris Wood um, and brought in uh, the twenty nine year old Dutchman uh, Voot uh from Wolfsburg. Uh, it kind of seems like a like for like, but I actually really like Weighurst, uh yeah. when he was playing in Wolfsburg. Yeah. Um. And we had him like when we were showcasing our Euro teams. Like he was on he was on the team. He's a big, big body. Um. So I'm excited to see him play for Burnley. They need goals to stay out of relegation. Yep. Yeah. Uh. And so Sean Dykes really going to expect a lot from him.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a good pickup getting rid of Chris Wood uh to newcastle I, I i think he'll fill his spot and provide some goals for him
1: uh Chelsea had really honestly nothing going on for them uh they were just kind of a mixed bag uh they have so much talent on their team I don't really think they need to address much uh during the January transfer window um same with Crystal Palace uh I was hoping for more from Crystal Palace. What about you
0: yeah um I mean, there were rumors of of pieces that they could pick up, and I was I was hoping maybe they'd get another midfield piece, but it uh, didn't end up happening. I I could have seen like a Dele Ali going there, really, and I would have loved that, but um, yeah, not a lot of moves. I like the squad that they've got, to be honest. Um, I I hope in the second half of the season they can pick up more points than they did in the first half because they kind of drifted there in the in the bottom half of the table, out of the relegation zone, but sort of you know, that 13th, 14th, 15th place. So I would like to see them make a little bit of a push, but, uh, yeah, no real action. I I didn't really expect to see them make a ton of moves.
1: Yeah. And then Everton, we had Donny Van de Beek, which I love that because he's just, he was put on a shelf, you know, United. Um, they also got El Ghazi, like you were saying, they picked up a few defenders, uh, from uh, Dynamo Kiev and Nathan Patterson from Rangers. Um, but then they also got Deli Ali, and I've been saying it for six months, maybe even longer, that I, he needs to go somewhere, you know, greener grass. But then when it actually happens, it's kind of like when your girlfriend, you're like, yeah, I kind of feel like we're not really getting along real well, and then eventually you guys break up, and then you're like, oh shit, like I I never expected it, so so I don't know, it just I. I I'm still kind of processing everything. I actually found myself going like on Twitter, just searching Deli Ali, and just looking up videos of him and like hype videos and stuff. And it's it's sad. Like I, I just I'm gonna miss him. He hasn't been good for two or three years, but I mean there was there was two or three years where like you know you just you want him, you know you, yeah. you need
0: him. I I also saw some some highlight videos and I was like, God damn, I forgot how good this dude was pre-Jose era, you know? Yeah. It, like, it feels like that falling out that they had just, I don't want to say it ruined him. It, it could be a Lingard situation where he pops off at Everton. And I hope he does, but it, he just disappeared. Like he just wasn't on the team sheet for the last year and a half or two years. Like, you, you, yeah. you, it got to the point where you didn't even. You, you were shocked if he was on the team sheet, whether he was no, starting he, or coming He was even on the bench. bench. Yeah.
1: Like, he wasn't even on the bench most games, you yeah. know? And, and then they show that Amazon documentary, and he's just getting shit on by Mourinho, you know? Like, it, it was upsetting, and it is what it is, but I'm hoping that he brings some flair to Everton because Everton has some characters, but they don't have anyone who freaking dyes his hair. Christmas colors around the festive period, you know? They don't have anyone like that on their team. Well, so,
0: Richarlison will just go bleach blonde, but yeah, I mean they don't have the Christmas colors. They don't they don't so have the festive.
1: I, we need to get Jack and Jack and Adam on here not just to talk about Everton's new manager, Frankie freaking Forb fingers, but we also we also need them on there to talk about the Richarlison Deli Ali hype that they're gonna have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm really excited. I I saw a tweet uh going back to Donny Van De Beek. Somebody tweet like quoted Fabrizio's here we go about him going to Everton and they said really excited to see him debut in the Premier League. <laughs> and I was just dying at that he's truly just been sitting on the shelf at United and I'm I'm really excited. I mean, he looks so good for United when he finally got chances to get in. Yeah. And I'm I'm really looking forward to Everton taking advantage of that. And I hope he shows out. I hope him, him and Dele both do.
1: And moving forward, next team on this list of uh, moves is uh, Leeds United. Uh, they did two things. One, they did not get rid of Calvin Phillips or Rafinha. That is a move in its own, getting both those guys. And if they can get Bamford back healthy, like that's they, that's their whole game right there. They just need to get all their guys healthy. Um, I was expect, I was really hoping Brendan Aronson, uh, United States men's international team, uh, from Salzburg was going to be coming to them. I think that would have been a great move for them. Yeah. Um, but I guess the money wasn't there. And so Leeds United really didn't do much. Uh, Leicester City, honestly, they didn't do much either. They got the 17 year old attacker from, uh, Arsenal, Amani Richards. And honestly, I don't know much about him. Um. Were you expecting Leeds or Leicester to do anything during this transfer period?
0: No, I heard the Aronson rumors, and I would love that move. I'd love to see him play Bielsa Ball. He's got that mentality and that that chaotic energy, that chaotic like Jamie Vardy-type energy. Where Work ethic, I, yeah. I, I imagine he just runs on like 15 Red Bulls a day, uh, which is perfect for Bielsa Ball. So I would have loved that move, but no, I didn't really expect them to do much. Leicester... There were Tielemans rumors, um, Tielemans to Liverpool rumors, which really had me drooling, but uh, I didn't really expect them to get rid of him. He's just so good. I mean, maybe in a year or two they will, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what they would have picked up. Maybe a maybe a defender, but I mean, they're midfield sound, and then they got Harvey Barnes and, and, and Vardy up top, and they had Nacho, so... I don't know. I, I just didn't really see them throwing out money for another piece this window.
1: Yep. No. Exactly. Uh, so no snakes in the grass. Ricky Ticky. Uh, Tottenham was the only team pretty much leaked to <laughs> Luis Diaz for the entire transfer window period, and then they pretty much got they pretty much got Porto to lower their asking price by a substantial amount. And right when you think they're gonna lock it in, Liverpool comes in out of nowhere. Yeah, here we are. That's the main signing Liverpool had. I think that's the only signing they had. Yeah. Um they got rid of a few players, but no one of no one of uh worth, I guess, uh or of notability. No one of notability
0: um, I will say to, to Liverpool right now until a center back gets injured, God forbid, and, and we need a N- center back. Nico? Again. Then again, no, nat Phillips, uh but then again we we did pick up Konate, so we do have a little bit more depth there than last year, but uh, yeah, Nico to Fulham, nat Phillips to Bournemouth, and then Luis Diaz in um I thought Bournemouth had a nice little window actually as they try and make a push to uh get back in the premier League oh. they they picked up nat Phillips, obviously, like I mentioned, sure up that Are you too okay over there bro yeah that was that was the dog, sorry uh. <laughs> And then they picked up Todd Cantwell from Norwich, which I couldn't believe. Norwich Dude, in a that's, relegation that's fight on my list. gets rid of one of their best pieces. I I didn't understand. I I don't get what's the what's the play here? Like, are you are you gonna stock up in the summer after you're relegated?
1: Norwich didn't do a single damn thing, and. Besides get rid it, of one
0: of their best players, they're like maybe most it, talented it was young player. Flow
1: for Pookie and Sargent. maybe they were like, "Hey, that guy's too much blonde hair." I don't know. Uh, do you like his game though? Because I thought Todd Campbell was pretty, pretty good attacking flair. I like him least. a lot. Yeah,
0: I like him a lot. I I couldn't understand it. I have them. I mean, we're talking about all these teams, and I think they did pretty good business. And then you know, those are those are kind of my my positives of the transfer window, and then the negatives are. Barcelona I'm in between on and then Norwich I just can't understand at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's what it is. Here we are. Uh, so Manchester United, Manchester City. Manchester City, honestly, not much coming in. Uh, they did have Ferran Torres leave for Barcelona uh, for like a lot of money, $46 million. Um, Were you surprised that they didn't go for a strike or anything?
0: Uh Kind of,
1: but I expect them to in the summer.
0: I expect them to hold out for Holland. Um, also, I, I don't know. I, I, part of me wondered if they would make a move for Holland in the in the December window or in the January window. And we talk, we've talked quite a bit in the past about you know not a ton of business typically gets done in the December or, excuse me, the January window. And this year was. Was sort of an asterisk there because there were a lot of moves, but I mean Holland hasn't seemed super happy at Dortmund. There's been a bunch of conversation around his contract and around him wanting to get out, and his frustration with Dortmund not really entertaining offers. They've been knocked out of the Champions League, um, so I was I, I wouldn't have been super super shocked if he if he went somewhere, and I wouldn't be super shocked if that was Man City, but. Uh, I loved the Ferran Torres move for everybody. He was just sitting on the bench at City. I thought he was great in the Euros. And I thought yeah, that was a great yeah. pickup for Barca. And then they go and pick up Yang and Traore after they've already picked up, you know, and in, in recently, obviously, Ferran Torres. They've got Luke De Jong. They've got Memphis Depay. Like, I... I just don't. I mean, how many attacking players are you going to pick up? Especially Triore. Triore is not even starting for Wolves the last two months.
1: And and I I think Tottenham, they were wanting twenty. Tottenham was like, "Hey, we're going to give you like eighteen mil," and then I want to say Barcelona gave him thirty. Yeah, I, like and a, oh, as and a, a so club
0: in in debt, uh, like a club with no
1: financially,
0: money. Yeah, I. I really don't get it. And then you get into the Aubameyang signing. Phenomenal when he went to Arsenal over the last year and a half, two years. Not only has he not been productive on the pitch, but he's been brutal off the pitch. Stripped of the captain's badge. Not showing up on time for, you know, team meetings and stuff. Being benched, left out of the lineup. Like... Not a lot Harding of before
1: Afcon getting COVID and not being able to play in most of the Afcon games. Yeah. I don't even know if he did play.
0: Yeah, no, he didn't. He he flew back yeah. and he had a physical and stuff. Um, yeah, I I don't get it. it. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, good for him. <laughs> Go to Barcelona, but I I don't know. I'd I'd rather have Ferran Torres and and Memphis Depay up there than Aubameyang. And I mean, Traore might be good off the bench. Come in and. And play some minutes for depth, but I I just really didn't get it from them. Uh, Especially just not having money to spend.
1: Someone else I'd be upset about, not just Barcelona, uh, for not doing much is Manchester United. Uh, They had more leave than come. Uh, All guys that left had zero playing time, so you can't really count it as an actual loss, I guess. But Donny Van de Beek, and then Anthony Martial goes to Sevilla. I love that yeah. for Sevilla. Um, mm-hmm. Sevilla's an up-and-coming, fun team. He gets to play with my boy and link up with Eric Coco Uh They have that, and then uh, Ahmad Diallo goes to the Rangers, which I think is... Yeah, that will that will make that guy... Because Diallo looked good, but he didn't look strong enough to be playing at that like defensive position that Manchester United requires. So... Easiest way to do that is play freaking for Rangers and have to play against Celtic or someone like that, where you're just going to get destroyed in the Scottish. Yeah, the Scottish Premier League. Go play
0: Scottish football, yeah. Um, Another move actually that for for Rangers they signed Aaron Ramsey, um, which I think is yeah,
1: I think that's a great move as well. So Um, yeah, yeah, the the Welshman comes home to
0: home ish kind of.
1: Yeah.
0: Comes back to Britain.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He had a. Ramsey hasn't had a conversation in two years because he doesn't (laughs) speak Italian. (laughs) Italian? Yeah, shit. Uh, Newcastle spent over 80 million pounds, got a bunch of dudes. most sexiest, in my opinion, is not Dan Burns, Karen Trippier, Matt Target, or Chris Woods, or Maddie Longstaff. Even though he has a great name, it would be uh, Bruno uh, Maries yeah. from uh, Lyon. Yeah. Um, this dude is an up and coming. Like he was, I guess. I, honestly, I don't watch enough of the French league, but I guess he was a stud. Have you? Do you know anything about him?
0: Yeah, just defensive mid from Lyon. Um, Twenty-four years old, Brazilian. Lyon. I mean, any player that comes from from Lyon, I have faith in and trust in, especially midfielders. Uh, they've they've just been a factory as of late with midfielders. In uh, Dombalay, obviously didn't pan out at Tottenham, but I still think that he's class. Um, my sweetheart for the past two or three years, Usa Mawar, which I'm still waiting to see him make a move. Um, and they've got a couple other midfielders as well that are that are really really solid. So. Yeah, I think that was a great signing too. Uh, I am excited to get to watch him more because I don't get to watch a ton of Lee other than some highlights here and there and occasionally if I can tune in and find a stream. But, yeah, I I think that's a great signing among several other really good signings as
1: well. So skipping over Norwich, we already talked about them. Uh, Southampton honestly didn't really do anything. Um, So we go right into Tottenham they had some coming and going and it was mostly within the last like 48 hours it was a it was it was a roller coaster of emotion for me cuz you expect so much because they have they have a checkbook but you never really know and like they're linked to everyone and then they always like they are the like maybe stood up fc club yeah. uh, like maybe should have got them, but they didn't like they went somewhere else um and so yeah, so they had a couple guys leave. We already talked about Deli Ali. Uh, Tenga Endabele goes to Lyon. Uh, I think that's great for him. It is a loan, so he could come back. But Endabele uh, even said it like I've played for five different managers since coming to Tottenham. Like that, I mean that's stressful. Got to be frustrating. Brian Hill, who they just signed, uh, goes back to uh, La Liga. He's playing for Valencia. I think that's beetle. good for him. That it's good for him. Um, he's already proven himself in La Liga, though. I don't know why they would have done that unless they just need some money coming and going. And then uh, they also shipped out on loan Lo Celso. Uh, Giovanni La Celso goes to Real. Um So good for him. Uh, he is the only player, I, I keep track of this. This is a statistic I keep track of. Uh, he is the only player that is not posted on social media a goodbye, a thank you, or a good luck to any supporter or player for Tottenham, um, well, so
0: well, I keep... well, well, him and Tom Brady. Um, you know, Tom Brady's Instagram post for the Buccaneers that failed to mention the Patriots at all, Toby.
1: Oh, this is an NFL oh. podcast. After <laughs> I that. thought I thought you were going to talk about Harry Kane shouting <laughs> out Tom Brady and their love affair that they have going on, but Harry does not. Giovanni Lo Celso. um besides those three guys leaving. Uh, they also loaned out a few of the kids, like a few of the up-and-coming studs that are gonna be Tottenham guys for the next ten years. Um, and then they did get two guys from uh, Uve. Uh, Keeks, you have a scouting report. Conte wanted guys that were all in on him, and you're either you're in or you're you're out. Like you're out. And so he shipped out everyone besides. I don't think Brian Hills that way, but I do think Tenga and Abale. Yeah. And G-Found Celso were not his guys, so they got rid of him. And they bring in two guys from Juve. Uh, do you have any kind report?
0: I think Benton Coor is a good signing. Um, he's that tough, like, deep-lying mid, but also they've already got Hoyberg there. So that kind of confused me. I, I can see Benton Coor playing really well under Conte, but when you've already got one of your better players in your lineup filling that role... Uh, that kind of surprised me. And Benson Coor could play a, a box-to-box and get forward a little bit, but he's definitely more of a defensive mid. Um, so I get it, but I don't get it. Uh, Kulisevsky I think will be a nice signing for them, especially if they eventually get rid of Bergbein. Um He'll play on that either right or left wing, and he can be creative, good dribbler, decent pace. Um and and he can create chances and set up on the counter for you know Kane and and Son moving forward so decent signings overall. Um Bentancur, I'm I'm not totally sure on. I'm kind of curious to see how he fits into the midfield.
1: No, exactly. I I, That's... I, I
0: I think if they were gonna get a midfielder, get a creative mid, even in Aaron Ramsey, who we just who we just mentioned. I mean somebody who's gonna pick out a pass and, and create stuff and link with Kane there to, to build that counter. We've talked about how they don't have a creative mid. They don't have a number 10. So if you're going to make a move for a mid, I just feel like that would have made more sense.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Um, Wofford had some randoms that they kind of helped spread uh, water, I guess, and relegation, but no one of uh, no one of real importance, I guess. Um West Ham United really didn't do anything. Um, there was a lot of rumors surrounding a couple players. Uh, Declan Rice was being linked to pretty much every big club in England. Uh, but he stays at West Ham as their talisman. Um, three guys coming in, or coming in, rumor-wise, was Jesse Lingard, uh, Rafinha, and Calvin Phillips, both from Leeds United, um, for kind of attacker in front of Declan Rice. And from what I've read is that David Moyes said that there was three record contracts offered for uh, from West Ham for players, and they none of them were accepted. And so he was actually happy with the transfer window because he thought West Ham was trying to back him and, like, the team. But uh, it just didn't work out. So I don't know. Would, is there anyone – I really wanted – Rafini, I actually did not want to go to West Ham, but I would have loved Jesse Lingard to go back to West Ham again uh I, I yeah i just i I think it was a a perfect fit for him
0: yeah, perfect fit, and again, he's Donny Vandebake. you know he was Donny Vandebake before Donny Vandebake. He's just sitting there um and it sucks you you see that he's still got quality. We saw it last year at West Ham while he was on loan. Um, Declan Rice is an interesting one because he was linked really heavily obviously to several clubs but specifically to Manchester United and you know as as a Liverpool supporter obviously I wish no good on Manchester United but just as a fan of the sport and of the Premier League that seems like the missing link for them
1: Oh absolutely
0: replacing Fred and McTominay there and that in that deep lying defensive mid role, like they could, that could completely flip that team on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah. would just be, you know, just as a, as a fan, putting, putting myself in a neutral's boots, like that would be really, really special, I think, to watch. But, um, I, I love seeing him still at West Ham. West Ham's one of those clubs that, that you just kind of root for. Um, and so, yeah, I'd love to see them continue to build, and I would have really liked to have seen Lingard go there.
1: So to wrap up uh, the Premier League uh, transfer window is Wolverhampton Hector Wanderers. The Wolves did lots of random nothings. The, I don't know. They didn't really do anything of substance. Uh, they did, however, sell Adam Traore, Adama Traore, and his baby oil, they they had like a big-ass stock of baby oil uh, for Adamas Muscles. And they got rid of all of it for, I don't even know how much. I want to say, I think it was $30 million. Yeah, right and around And uh, the baby oil was right around like $1,200. Uh, quite a few stock. Um, but yeah, so they got all that to Spain. Barcelona is good to go. Um, but yeah, Wolves are just Wolves like... They just keep chugging along, and uh, who I can't remember their manager's name, but uh, whoever he is, uh, uh, he's just looking to get the most out of like hee Chan that they just got uh, the Korean uh, from RB Leipzig. Uh, I mean, they they're a solid team. They just you know they're just a middle pack team. Uh, I don't expect a lot of money to be spent. I don't expect a lot of money to be made. You know, it is what it
0: is. And they've played pretty well this year, actually. They have looked kind of how I thought they would look last year, and they played pretty bad last year. And they've played quite a bit better this year. They've got a nice midfield, Mutinho um, Neves, uh, Daniel potence up at the, the winger position, Raul Jimenez when he's healthy. So um, they've been playing well, and I don't think they'll miss much with Triore leaving, really. Again, he wasn't playing a ton for him. He was coming off the bench, so um a little no, bit of depth missing, so but that's it.
1: When when he was linked to Tottenham, they were like, Oh, we're gonna put him at right back. I'm like, dude, I watched this guy play. He dribbles really well, but he cannot pass real well and he cannot shoot real well. Like he's literally a speed guy. Yeah. And that's about it. And so I didn't know really what they were expecting. I don't know where I don't even know what position he's gonna play. You know, in the league I have no idea. So, I don't know. Uh, moving forward from the Premier League transfers, is there anyone at the other leagues that caught your eye, Keeks?
0: Well, of course. You, you uh, talked about Aaron
1: Ramsey.
0: Yeah, we talked about Ramsey um, and Dombly going back to Lyon. And then we spoke last week about uh, Dusan Vlahovic going to Juve, probably the biggest signing outside of the Premier League. Um, him and Aubameyang to, to Barcelona are probably the two biggest. Martial, obviously, uh, to Sevilla, which we mentioned. Those are big ones. Um, Juve picked up uh, Zachariah, Dennis Zachariah from Monchengladbach. Um Defensive mid could could help Juve. They unloaded Bentancur, maybe let McKenney be a little bit more box-to-box than defensive, so 25 um, year old good player uh his his contract was almost up at Gladbach so good move by them and good signing by Juve overall um other than that outside of the prem i mean not not a ton of moves obviously Vlahovic was a huge one Robin Gosens on loan from Atalanta to Inter Milan's a big one as well
1: Yeah um, i really honestly kicks i really like that one i mean he's he's older he's 27 but the German is a, a left-wing back, and I think Inter Milan needs that, uh, especially with where they're at in Serie A right now. So I think he'll instantly plug in and be a plug-and-play guy. Um, I also think another guy going to uh, Serie A is uh, Denis a uh, uh, He went from uh, in back in from uh, Bayern, uh, and he's going to Juve. So... Uh, I expect him to also perform really well as well.
0: Yeah. A um, couple other ones. Sevilla also picked up Jesus Corona uh, from Porto. Only 5 mil. Um, so nice little pickup there. Uh, fullback, quick, pacey, talented. Um, Nani to Venezia we we talked about a little bit. Uh, strictly a, a clout move there. Just selling some more of those sweet, sweet Venetian jerseys. Um, other than that, uh, Roma Roma picked up Ainsley Maitland-Niles from Arsenal. He's pretty versatile. He could play in the midfield. He could play a winger. He could play a fullback. Um, young, quick player. So uh, could help could help Roma out. Other than that, I I really don't have. Too many Ferentzore Torres we talked about earlier. Um, Ricardo Pepe we've we've talked about obviously as well going from Dallas to to Augsburg, um, but that's about it. That's that's pretty much all I've got.
1: Yeah, I wasn't gonna bring that up, but that is probably the, in my opinion, that's my favorite signing. You know, it's the biggest MLS transfer of all time. Uh, Augsburg kids young. I think he just turned eighteen or nineteen and. Yeah, I I expect a lot from Erdo Pepe moving forward. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, do we have any? I already threw out a cheer for Christian Eriksen. Um, don't have any belters just because it was primarily just Afcon and and Concacaf. Um, and F- and let's
1: not be. I mean, Afcon has a ton of belters, but there was just not a lot of games the last week. Yeah, no. I mean, so, it, was,
0: it was only the Senegal and and Burkina Faso games, So that, maybe maybe Egypt. Um, and and Cameroon will have some tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, I mean, literally there were like three matches this past week, so that's about it.
1: So one of our friends, that is his family is from Tunisia. He was saying that whenever an African steps on the pitch, they're always open. So 40 yards out, doesn't matter. Long hair, don't care, send it. So So I have no belters. I do have a cheer and I do have a boo. Um, I'm going to go with the boo first. Uh, My boo is for Mason Greenwood. Um, and the domestic violence allegations as of right now. Uh, kudos to Manchester United for instantly, you know, taking him away from the team. Um, I mean, they haven't cut him yet, as far as I know. Uh, but, I mean, this is all coming on the coattails of Manchester City's Benjamin Mendy. And Benjamin Mendy, as of today, had more rape allegations uh, put on him as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super upsetting. Uh, Mason Greenwood is an up and coming star for Manchester United and for England as a whole. Um, so for all this to happen, it's just, it's super shitty. Um, did you have a boo?
0: Uh, no, that covers it. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I saw some of the photos and unfortunately listened to the audio as well and it was pretty disturbing and yeah i i don't know what other evidence you need i mean you can hear him in the audio and it's disgusting and super super disappointing um i mean not just because he's a good player but but just because he would hope that he's a good character he, you know, he he didn't have anything yeah. else going on outside of that 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 would make you, you know, think that he was a a bad person or had a poor character. But um that was like really, really disturbing to hear uh some of that audio and um props to uh his his former girlfriend for, for coming forward and, and you know being brave enough to, to share that and post that and you know, unfortunately, a lot of victims receive a lot of scrutiny and unnecessary scrutiny uh, when they come forward. So props to her for for doing that. Um, and yeah, just just a bummer. I mean, it it just sucks to continue to hear stories like this. You pointed out Mendy and and now Greenwood, and um, yeah, it's a shame.
1: So flipping pages to my cheer. Uh, it's for Trinity Rodman, 19-year-old, um, signed the largest contract in NWSL history, four years, $1.1 $1. $1 million, uh, yeah, so it's definitely going to grow the game, uh, I expect my girl Rose Lavelle to get something hopefully similar, I don't know if it's if she will, but uh, yeah, Trinity Rodman, uh, Rodman, excuse me. Uh, definitely, and shout out to her dad, Dennis Rodman. Uh, Boardman gets boards, that's how we always say it. Kawhi Leonard, everyone else. Um, so, <laughs> I love so, that you yeah. just
0: threw out a Kawhi quote when talking Dennis <laughs> Rodman.
1: So, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. She's only 19, uh, and, I mean, she's the future of U.S. women's. So, it is, it's awesome. Uh, $1.1 million over four years contract. Signed, I want to say, today or yesterday. So Nice, nice, nice.
0: Good cheer. I think that's everything. Uh, with that, tune in next week. Give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we've actually got the website in works. I know we've been saying that for a while, but we're working on getting some local uh, soccer pubs up there. We're going to write up some stories about them and everything. Um, also got some hoodies in the works. So, yeah, tune in to social media and we'll keep you updated through there other than that keep tuning in every tuesday wednesday thursday whenever we've we've kind of been mixing it up as far as days of the week go but uh continue to tune in and and follow us on social media cheers
1: Bruising, bruising belters uh at instagram and on twitter so
0: peace